So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear, why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Well, thank you, for, thank you for reading for us, John. Um, please keep that scripture passage open in front of you, and uh, let's go and ask the Lord for help as we consider his word together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for these words of Jesus Christ, um, challenging words, encouraging words, uh, words uh, that we need your help to understand and to apply. And so we ask now that by your Holy Spirit, you would open our hearts. Uh, Lord, you have said, uh, whoever hears the word of God is from God. And so we pray that you, by your spirit, would give us ears to hear, uh, hearts that believe, and uh, lives that respond with faith and obedience. And we ask all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, it is now the second week of Advent, um, and this year we have an unusual Advent sermon series. Uh, I usually take a bit of a break from whatever I'm preaching and, and then pick up uh, with something different for the Christmas season. Over the years, we've done the, the, the original carols of Christmas, the songs in Luke 1. We've done the predictions of Christ's coming in Isaiah. Uh, we've looked at the various uh, gospel introductions to Christ's birth. But, but this year, we're doing something a bit different, and I'm just continuing my series in John's gospel. And uh, Except what we're doing is slowing down a little bit. We're pausing to dig into John chapter 8, verses 31 through 59, and we're spending three weeks on these verses. And these verses focus on three very important themes, themes that often come up around the holidays. Uh, these are those themes, freedom, family, and faith. Freedom, 
family, and faith. As I mentioned last week, I think no more three themes could be more American than those three. However, defining those three things, freedom, family, and faith, seem to be an incredibly divisive fault line that runs throughout our culture. And my intention is not to stir up uh, those divisions. Rather, uh, our aim in this series is to listen to Jesus Christ. When it comes to true freedom, true family, and true faith, what does Jesus have to say about these subjects? Uh, That is what John 8 is all about. And last week, we looked at verses 31 through 36, and the theme was true freedom, true freedom. And this week, we look at 37 through 47, and our theme is true family. And it's certainly an appropriate theme uh, for the holidays, as I mentioned at the start. Uh, For good or for ill, the holidays traditionally mean time together with our families. As I already mentioned, this is the cause of delight for some of us. Uh, But it can equally be the cause of distress. Uh, For most of us, it it probably is a bit of a mix. Uh, Christmas is a time to celebrate, to delight in family traditions. I'm sure you have various things that that you love to do. Uh, And yet the holidays can magnify our sense of of loss and our sense of lack. Uh, It can spotlight our unfulfilled longings, particularly in the whole realm of family. Uh, we get a hint of everything that family could be or, or should be. I think of those uh, cheesy Hallmark movies. Uh, but those very things are a sad reminder of what family is not. And what, uh, what does help us uh, in the midst of that is our text this morning. I should say I don't think those Hallmark movies really help. But uh, what does help is John chapter 8. Uh, these verses in John challenge and comfort all of us no matter our family circumstances. In these verses, Jesus teaches us about true family. And what he teaches is this, the only true family really is God's family. And who is in God's family? Well, this is really the point of our text. This is the life-changing truth of these verses. God's family is made up of everyone who loves and listens to Jesus Christ. God's family, the true family, is made up of everyone who loves and listens to Jesus Christ. And there's a challenge there, a challenge not to make an idol of our biological families. But on the other hand, there's an encouragement, an encouragement for those for whom family is tied up with all kinds of of challenges and, and loneliness and such things. An encouragement that no matter how much we struggle with family, Jesus came for this very purpose. This is what we celebrate at Christmas. He came to bring us into God's true family. And the whole focus of that family is loving and listening to him. And we see this um, in our text by way of contrast. It turns out, according to Jesus, there really are only two families. There are only two families to which you can belong. You either have God as your father and belong to his family, or, or as harsh as it sounds, according to Jesus, the only alternative is to be children of the devil. And so which family are you in? To which family do you belong? Uh, All of it depends on what you do with Jesus. And so let's look at this in two halves. Uh, Firstly, let's think about how God's family includes everyone who loves Jesus. God's family includes everyone who loves Jesus. And then secondly, God's family includes everyone who listens to Jesus. Uh, Firstly, God's family includes those who love Jesus Christ. In other words, the key distinguishing mark of true family is our attitude. It is our attitude, not just to one another, but our attitude towards a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. 
Now, we see this point made both negatively and positively in this text. Uh, we start off negatively in verse 37. Uh, take a look. Verse 37 highlights the way that we should not approach Jesus. Uh, speaking to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, Jesus says this, verse 37, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, uh, yet you seek to kill me because my words find no place in you. Uh, I speak what I have seen from my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Uh, can you see the contrast here between my father, according to Jesus, and, and yours? Uh, by his own father, Jesus means God. He is the eternal son of God. Uh, and, well, their father, we're going to come to that in, in a few moments. But how does Jesus know that they do not belong to God? That really is the important question. We often say, don't we, like father, like son, or we can also say like father, like daughter, or like mother, like daughter. This is one of the things about kids. They, they tend so often to look a lot like their parents. And so we see a little baby and we say, oh, I can see, uh, you know, uh, dad's eyes there or mum's mom's mouth or something. And I've always thought it's, it's a little bit of an insult because uh, as, as beautiful as those little babies look to us as parents, they, they look a little bit like Yoda, don't they? They're sort of... Uh, you know, it's not a compliment necessarily to the parents as much as it may be to the child. Uh, this is the one of the things about kids, though, isn't it? They take after their parents, uh, not only in their looks, but also in their mannerisms, uh, going deeper into their attitudes and their behaviors. Kids are very much like a mirror to their parents. And I have to say that's one of the very reasons Christmas can be challenging. Uh, more time with the kids, more time to reflect on ourselves. But when it comes to God's family, these Jewish leaders do not bear the family likeness. Why? Because God is the giver of life. And they, well, they are trying to kill Jesus. When challenged about their true paternity in, in verse 39, they get defensive, don't they? They answer him, Abraham is our father. They appeal to their, to their religious, their, their Jewish heritage. And Jesus even acknowledges that it's true. They are biologically children of Abraham. And, and maybe we want to take an aside and, and say, why even this focus on Abraham? It might be confusing, but it's really important because it ties everything that's going on here to the whole story of, of the rest of the Bible. Now, the Bible teaches that God created the world. Uh, and it tells us that when he did, he made us in his image. And that means a lot of things. It means a lot about the way we're made. But, but essentially, what it means is this. God made us to be his children. He made us to reflect him, just as children reflect their parents. And then, of course, through sin, humanity fell. We rebelled against God. And, and when we did, many terrible things happened. And, and one of the core things that happened is that we got expelled. We, we became expelled from God's family. That we lost our eternal inheritance and the great family likeness became distorted. And of course, the whole Bible is about God's plan to restore uh, that relationship between us and him. Uh, and this is why Jesus came. He is not a creature like us. He is the uncreated eternal son of God. And, uh, and yet this is the good news of Christmas that he, the eternal son, became one of us to bring us back into God's family. And God promised this all along. This is where we're going with this. God had promised this all along. And we need to understand one of the pivotal promises in the scriptures are God's promise to Abraham in Genesis. In a word, world that was filled with the curse of sin, of suffering and sickness, what did God say? Well, God approached Abraham out of nowhere and what God promised Abraham was blessing. And not only did God promise to bless Abraham, God said that he would bless all of Abraham's children, all of his offspring, 
after him. And so can you see why these leaders are so eager to identify with Abraham? It's like they're saying this, look, if they're Abraham's kids, well, basically they're God's kids. They're the ones who sit under God's blessing. And they stand to inherit all of those promises of God. And so how could Jesus possibly challenge their paternity? How could he possibly challenge where they come from? In fact, that's exactly what they claim, isn't it? They really do claim uh, that God is their father in verse 41. We have one father, even God, but, but yet Jesus is adamant. Even though they are biologically related to Abraham, uh, they aren't descendants of Abraham, spiritually speaking. Uh, look at verse 39 again. Uh, they answered him, Abraham is our father. Uh, and Jesus said to them, if, Abraham, if you were Abraham's children... You would be doing the works that Abraham did, but now you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That's not what Abraham did. You see, the problem is they hate Jesus Christ. The problem is they want to kill him. And that is why they cannot possibly be the children of God. Why? Because look at the true marks of God's children in verse 42. Jesus now makes the point in a positive way. Verse 42, Jesus said to them, if God were your father you would love me. If God were your father, you would love me. And so therefore, do you see why I say God's true family includes everyone who loves Jesus Christ? If you are children of God, if God is your father, well, then you will love Jesus. And so uh, we should ask, what is the sign? What is the mark of whether you belong to God today? Ask yourself, what do you think of Jesus Christ? I mean, this perhaps puts us in a very similar position to those uh, shocking scenes uh, back on Jerry Springer, if you've ever been unfortunate enough to watch the show. Uh, And the father is, do you remember those moments? Well, uh, well, here is the spiritual paternity test, if you will. Uh, Do you love Jesus Christ? Uh, Do you love him? Depending on how you answer that question, that tells you to whom you belong spiritually. Earlier this week, I read an article in the New York Times from back in, in 2019. Uh, the, the theme of that article was family. Uh, the title, uh, What is Normal Family Anyway? Uh, what is Normal Family Anyway? I won't go into detail, but the author grew up in a very non-traditional home. Her family was very different from the normal setup with two parents and and one or more children. And she explains what she learned from this. Uh, Here is the conclusion that she came to. Uh, Family should be above all else about love. Uh, I hope we can all agree on that. Uh, Perhaps it's time for us to prioritize finding love through community and friendship in the same way many of us prioritize finding romantic love. Let me read that again. Perhaps it's time for us to prioritize finding love in community and friendship in the same way many of us prioritize finding romantic love. Uh, And I think that's an appropriate challenge, not to idolize romance. Uh, Again, I think uh, this is one of the things that makes Christmas time very difficult for some of us. We long for that kind of romance we see on on our TV screens. And we need to remember we can find true love within community and friendship, hopefully, especially within the body of Christ. But the nature of true family isn't that, according to Jesus Christ. Well, in one sense, true family is above all else about love. We can agree with that. But God's family isn't first and foremost about friendship or about romance. You can have both of those in abundance and never experience 
God's true family. A true family is about the love of God, the love of God in sending us his son, his son who came to earth, his son who came so that everyone who believes in him might become God's eternal children. And therefore, the heartbeat of that family is love for Jesus Christ. This really is our common bond. And So do you love Jesus Christ? That's the question. If you don't, it doesn't matter how much love there is in your home. It doesn't matter how much love there is in your family. Because what you demonstrate is this, that you do not belong to the family of God. In fact, you demonstrate something very grim indeed, according to Jesus. We, we show ourselves to be children of the devil. A love for Jesus Christ. That is the mark of somebody who, who belongs in God's true family. And this is how we reflect God. I mean, God eternally loves his son, and if we belong to him, we must love his son also. Uh, but we need to ask, how do we show that love? Uh, what does loving Jesus mean in practice? Is it just that we have warm feelings in our hearts whenever his name is mentioned? Is it just that we sort of say great things about Jesus to uh, everyone around us, uh, that we just tell everyone how great he is, that we spread the news to our neighbors? Well, this brings us to the second point, because God's family, yes, includes everyone who loves Jesus, but it includes everyone who listens to Jesus. Listening to Jesus is how we show our love for him. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Because this is how we show our love for anyone. I mean, it's hard to claim that you love someone if you won't listen to anything that they say to you. And this is why we need to be quick to listen and slow to speak, an area where we have to admit most of us, including myself, fail dramatically. And listen, throughout the scriptures, this is something we're told again and again. This is how we show our love for God. There is always this connection. Our attitude towards God is demonstrated toward our attitude in his word especially. Sorry, our attitude towards God is demonstrated and our attitude towards his word especially. In our first reading, we saw this clearly put by Isaiah, didn't we? This is the one to whom I will look, says the Lord in Isaiah 66, verse 2. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. And the same can be said in John chapter 8. In fact, uh, again, we see this point made both, both negatively and positively in these verses. Whenever Jesus speaks of these Jewish leaders and their attitude to him, it is their response to his word that is especially in view. Uh, look at verse 37. Verse 37, uh, I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. Why? Because my word finds no place in you. And then it's there in verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. And then look at verse 43, why do you not understand what I say? Well, it's, it's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Uh, these leaders have no place for his word. They cannot bear his word. They cannot stand the truth. And so verse 47 sums it up so well, doesn't it? Verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the reason why you do not hear them is because you are not of God. Uh, can you hear the stress there that Jesus puts on the importance of listening? Uh, in fact, uh, this is one of the primary ways in which the leaders do not reflect God. Instead, they reflect their father, the devil. We see this, this both in their lack of love and in their lack of listening to Jesus. In fact, we need to ask ourselves, what is the devil like? I mean, we always think of him, don't we, as uh, some sort of scary guy with horns and a pitchfork. 
But the devil is rather in the scriptures seen by his MO. And what is the devil like? What does the devil do? Well, verse 44 tells us that you are of your father the devil and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. That is, in, with the devil there is a lack of love. And there is no listening, is there? Look at how the verse continues. He does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Instead, when he lies, he speaks of his own character. Uh, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But, but because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Uh, that is the mark of those who don't belong to God. Instead of listening to Jesus Christ, will listen to lies. Uh, and these are the common strands, aren't they? The, the strands of loving and listening to Jesus. Uh, Jesus tells us this, uh, that God's true family is made up of those who love him, uh, those who listen to him. Uh, and just, just pause for a moment, just to consider how radical that teaching is. Imagine I was to make a claim similar to that. Imagine if I was to say, look, this is what true family is. God's true family is those who love me, those who listen to me. Firstly, you might think I'd gone crazy. And who would make such a claim? Well, well, someone very, very sinister. Uh, secondly, you'd be right to conclude that no mere mortal would claim such a thing. To make such a claim would be quite frankly abusive. Uh, who, who am I? Who are you to claim that the focus should be on loving us? I mean, who, who am I? Who are you to claim that the focus should be on listening to us? And yet this is exactly what Jesus says. Uh, this is why what he says is hard. If you want to be on, in God's family, he says, you have to love me. You have to listen to me. What an incredible focus. If you don't, if you don't listen to me, says Jesus, well, well, that's because you belong to the devil. And of course, that for many people is a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Because it's these very kinds of exclusive claims that, that put a lot of people off the Lord Jesus. In fact, it's these kind of claims that mean that some people, many people, I suspect, claim to love Jesus. They claim to love Jesus. They even perhaps claim to have all kinds of wonderful, warm feelings about him. Uh, they think he's a wonderful moral teacher, uh, a great moral example. I mean, such a loving, such a warm and welcoming man. Uh, why, isn't that we don't, why is it that we don't see this same kind of love amongst his followers? I mean, that's a, a fair criticism very often, isn't it? Uh, and yet, as many as claim to love Jesus Christ, we have to ask, do they love his word? Do they listen to him? Are they comfortable with Jesus Christ's claims about himself? Are they okay with the fact that Jesus taught that if you don't listen to him, it's because you belong to the devil? Or do they find it arrogant when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, you see, you, can, you can't really have Jesus Christ if you don't have his words. We saw this a few weeks ago, didn't we? We saw it in those who tried to domesticate the Lord Jesus. You can't claim to love Jesus if his words have no place in your heart. You can't love Jesus and at the same time reject what he says about love, about life, about sex, about marriage, about himself. Your love for God, your love for Jesus is directly proportional to how receptive you are to what he says to you. And putting it bluntly, loving God means loving the Bible. And not that the Bible is God, we should say that, and yet it is the Word of God. And how can we claim to love God if we just won't listen to what he says to us? 
How can we claim to love God if we're trying to twist and change his word to reflect our own attitudes or attitudes that are acceptable to the culture of which we're a part? I mean, I have to say, this is just as much a challenge for me as it is for you, isn't it? Because the question is not whether or not we're, we're gifted to understand and teach the Bible. And maybe you are, maybe I am. Maybe you can employ the right tools to understand a certain passage. And maybe you're able to teach others to grasp what that passage means. And yet, even as I say that, I think of what I once heard a friend say about uh, college lectures. And this was his definition of a, a college lecture, maybe something that is particularly fitting for the students amongst us. Uh, here is the quote. A lecture is where what is on the professor's notes makes it into the student's notes without passing through the brain of either. Well, a sermon or a Bible study can very much be the same. God's word is getting from my notes to your notes, but uh, not passing through our brains and, and certainly not penetrating our hearts either. Uh, Psychology Today um, ran an article all about deep listening. Uh, deep listening uh, means listening with your heart as well as with your mind, uh, doing your best to understand as deeply as possible the heart of another person. Uh, to capture what this means, I, I love actually what the author said. Let me quote. It's, it's a long quote, so uh, try to track with me here. They said this, If you were lucky enough to be read to as a child, deep listening will not be an alien concept to you. Uh, do you remember that cozy, safe feeling as you settled in for the next fairy tale or, or installment of a long-running narrative? I will wager that the wonder experienced in these moments was not due to the skill of the author, but because every cell of you was listening without judgment. And yet this is very rarely something we see in adulthood. It's not only true in our relationships that this lack of deep listening can be a huge loss. Uh, more importantly, I, I fear this might be the case in our relationship with God also. Uh, now, I'm not talking about sitting in silence and, and listening to God speak out of the ether. I think that's just weird. And even if it wasn't weird, how could you discern whether what you were thinking was God or just your own thoughts and emotions and attitudes? Uh, no, you need to sit down and do some deep listening to the Word of God. At reading the Bible, being absorbed in the Bible. As you come to Jesus Christ, experiencing wonder, not due to the skill of the author, who is in fact God himself, but because every cell of you is listening without judgment to him. At being humble and contrite and trembling at his word. Sitting under the word of God rather than sitting over it. Now, this is the key mark of everyone who is truly born of God, every child of God, everyone who truly belongs to God's true family. In fact, we see this so clearly, not in John 8, but in Luke chapter 8. Now, Luke gives us a very dramatic illustration that helps us to understand this point more clearly. In Luke chapter 8, verse 19, Jesus is teaching, and, and there are people sat all around uh, and we read in Luke chapter 8, verse 19, Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside, desiring to see you. Uh, but he answered them in this way, my, brother, uh, sorry, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. 
Uh, Jesus is telling us there who his true family are. Uh, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. In fact, this is the very definition of true family, of God's family, according to Jesus. God's true family includes anyone and everyone who loves him and listens to him eagerly. But we need to listen to him. And so I need to ask you, do you love Christ? And if so, what is your attitude towards his word? But what about when Jesus says things you find hard to understand, things that are hard to accept? Uh, do you consider it your life's work to understand him and to submit to him? Uh, do you sit under God's word, humble and contrite? Uh, do you come to the Bible with fear and trembling? Or like these Jewish leaders, are you an expert in the word of God? But rather than being controlled by it, you perhaps even use it to control other people. Uh, to be in God's family, we need to love and listen to Jesus Christ. Uh, what a challenge this must have been to Jesus Christ's original hearers. Uh, I mean, we see in this text, they're pretty sure of themselves, aren't they? We are children of Abraham. That's what they say. We have only one father, even God himself. Uh, they know where they stand, or at least they think they, they do. And maybe the same is true of some of us who are here this morning. We feel very, very confident we belong to God, and perhaps that we do so because of our upbringing. And we think of our lives, we've been raised well, we're morally upright. We've never tried to murder anyone like these people are trying to kill Jesus. And we're confident because we've been raised in the church. Just like these men, we're, we're perhaps resting on our religious heritage. We are, we are children of Abraham. We grew up in a Christian home and uh, we keep most of the rules. Uh, how could anyone claim that we're children of Satan? I mean, that's ridiculous, surely. And yet this is exactly what Jesus Christ says about these men. Because whether you belong to God's family has got nothing, to, nothing at all to do with your biology. But whether or not you belong to God's family has got nothing at all to do with your biology. You could put it this way, salvation has never been and will never be hereditary. Sure, it is a great privilege to be raised in a Christian home. It is so kind of God to allow us from a young age to have experienced and, and known the truth about Jesus. And the promise is for you and for your children. We repeat that every time, don't we, that we perform a baptism. And yet you yourself, you have to ask yourself this question. Do you love Jesus Christ? And you show that love for him by listening to him personally. Because if you don't love him for yourself, if you don't listen to him for yourself, you do not belong to God. I mean, look at, again at verse 47 and consider this sobering statement. Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. It's a challenge to those of us who presume, isn't it? who presume that because we uh, have a certain heritage or, or live a certain way, that therefore we must, we must belong to God's family. And yet, when you think about this, it's a challenge, yes, but it's also a huge, a huge encouragement. Here is the encouragement. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you have done. If you love Jesus Christ, if you listen to him, you are an adopted member of God's own family. And it doesn't really matter how messed up your earthly family is. 
It doesn't matter if Christmas stirs up a sense of loneliness, of lack, because of your earthly family. Jesus Christ is saying, you belong. You belong in God's family. And this should be our true delight this Christmas time, amid whatever distress. And this is why we celebrate, isn't it? Because the only begotten Son of God came down to earth. And he came down to earth, why? So that he could restore us, restore us to our Father in heaven. And shouldn't this change the way that we approach the holiday? Shouldn't this change the way we celebrate? I mean, Christmas is big family time, yes, but we have to ask, for which family? Is it just a time for our earthly families to gather and celebrate our traditions, to make some wonderful memories? Or is it a time for God's family to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ? Uh, If you have an earthly family, I mean, this is something I think you can help them see, isn't it? Now, for example, as you consider your true family, God's family, uh, think about those within this family who, for whatever reason, are struggling. It could be their singleness. It could be their childlessness. It could be some other form of brokenness or loss. Are you celebrating Christmas with God's family? I mean, Christians often talk about family values, don't they? I mean, I, don't, I said at the start I don't want to get into a political divisiveness, but this is something we hear, isn't it? Christians often are pushing family first. And listen, by God's design, family is an incredibly important thing, but, but what is true family? It is the family of God. And so we have to say, which family? Which family first? Surely for Jesus it is the family of God, uh, the family made up of everyone who loves and listens to him. And so this Christmas, let's make his family our family. Let's make his family our priority. Uh, Let's ask God to help each of us love and listen to Jesus Christ and uh, and recognize our our brothers and sisters who listen uh, to him and love him with us. Uh, What is true family after all? A true family is God's family, God's family, who's made up of everyone who love and listen to Jesus. And let's ask God's help that he might make us part of that family and find joy in that family even now. Let's bow our heads. Please pray with me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much uh, for the great and glorious truth that Jesus Christ came, uh, not for those who who belong, but for those who, who in and of themselves because of sin don't belong. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge before you that's us, that we, through our sin, uh, have, uh, we deserve not to be your children. And yet you sent your Son, the only eternal Son, Jesus Christ, to come to live, to die for us, and to rise again so that we might be adopted into your family. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to love him, help us to listen to him. Uh, Lord, even perhaps for the first time this Christmas season, we ask that you might work in our hearts, that, that those truths would be reflected more and more in our families and in this church family. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.